that's coming in now. And you're looking much looks better, a lot than better. Life, bro. Yeah, so are you. All right. Let's get it. Let's get it. Let's get it. What's up? And welcome back to the Real Ballers Read podcast. How are you doing, Miles? Live in person. I'm doing well. It's a little bit snowy. Um, yeah, that came out of nowhere. It kind of jinxed the, the weather, honestly. I yeah. was saying it was going to be the easiest fe- February ever, and then it snowed. So Yeah. No, and it was like kind of a freezing rain earlier, which is right. pretty weird. But for the first winter being here in the city, I think it's been pretty light. Oh, absolutely. So, so I'm, and hey, I mean, I'm grateful. Today we went to the Harold Washington Library. That was pretty Tell fire. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, we got library cards for That's Chicago it. Public Libraries. That was a big deal for us. Um, we went through every single floor from what what is it like first to the ninth floor yeah uh we had our own sections that we were really excited by um as well as just uh being able to use the study rooms be there with our friend justice shout out to him so it was just a great day i'm really excited for you know becoming a a regular patron champion of that library as well as the oak park library too mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. so uh let's just get into it continuing our celebration of black history and everything that that means. And we are getting into a book that I just finished um, a couple of days ago by Elizabeth Alexander, the Trayvon generation. And this book came out in 2022, spring of 2022. And we've been meaning to read it for a while now. Yep. And it was great to finally get into it. It's a pretty short read, but very dense, very powerful, and I think has so much um, to think about and and talk about, especially in terms of our very recent black history and a time period that we are still going through now, but has really changed the way, especially, you know, Generation Z or, you know, for the black children as Elizabeth Alexander, their names as the Trayvon generation has totally changed how we live and think and feel. So yeah. I'm really excited to just think and talk about um, all that's in this, this book. Based yeah, off sure. a New Yorker piece, I think she first published probably a couple of years prior to the to the book. And the book is the middle essay of other pieces of work about race and art. And yeah, just a fascinating collection. Mm-hmm. And real quick, I mean, uh, I'm really curious, Miles, like what you remember from 2012 uh, when mm-hmm. Trayvon Martin was killed by George Zimmerman or even from mm-hmm. the the court case and, you know, Zimmerman's acquittal. You know, I think when you're talking about recent black history, um, I remember that time very strongly, honestly, but I was curious, like what your perspective on it was. Yeah, I think it really did feel like the first uh, occurrence of that scale, mm. that national scale that I can remember there being a police killing. I, I actually don't remember. And he wasn't even a cop, which is yeah. um, the thing about it, uh, yep. about it too. But right, everything was so new like i feel like that was the first time the thought could even register in my mind of an extra judicial killing 
that wasn't one that we had talked uh, about in a his, his, his history class yeah. or in a doc- documentary. It was, mm-hmm. and for it to be a kid that was really our age, so yep, um, or probably old, a little bit us. older, yeah. yeah, a little bit older. So, um, what yeah, what about I mean, you though? Well, no, it was too. It was definitely the, it was definitely the first one at that scale that we were aware of, mm-hmm. but it certainly wasn't the last one, which I think is really haunting too, mm-hmm. is that it's like, once it was Trayvon, then there was just a series of like different tragic police killings or, you know, even just uh, vigilante, like white folks going crazy. Right. Um, and, you know, I, I think that really has made the, at least my own perspective, looking back on the entire decade, 2012, to 2022 and now 2023 um as a time of real like fear and darkness you know and like Mm -hmm. i guess just like walking outside and being scared right because you never know like what's going to happen and it's it's kind of worrisome to even think that we've gotten to a point now where uh news will come out of someone else passing away and like it's just the same poking at the at the wound, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, Trayvon Martin was particularly rattling, I think, because I had, you know, really in 2008 followed, you know, Obama's uh, campaign and getting elected. Um, and so there was a minute there for sure where I think just living as a young black person, as a young black male in the like early Obama era, which was mm-hmm. like kind of like, uh, roses and sunshine for a second there, even with mm-hmm. the even with the recession, just because we were we were kids, we didn't really see that as much. But seeing Trayvon in the hoodie, seeing his photos, um, learning the story of how and why he passed away, and seeing like all of so much like historical systemic racism collapsed into his life, a child's life, um, was scary as hell. And I feel like that really did kind of like shake the foundations for everything about how I right. saw um, myself, how I saw this country. Yeah, and I think even for a sense of how the timeline works in the justice system, I think it was a wake-up call because it wasn't until the next year, a full year after, that the uh, acquittal happened. Yep. And that's a whole nother thing of trauma because it's like you're spending that whole year, um, Especially to his parents and loved, loved, loved ones, spending that whole whole year in grief and limbo, and then when you expect the justice to to be served, and it's not, it's a whole nother thing. Yeah. So. Yep. Yeah, and the interesting thing about that time too was it feels like the only time that I experienced. The black death on tv and wow. you know in the years following it slowly came on a smaller and more intimate screen that i think felt even more pervade pervade pervasive seeing you know the, the videos of some of some of these killings too talking about them in school and yeah it was just this very strange feeling of despite our privilege and going to the schools that we were going 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 to that nothing could really protect us from the pol- from the police in this matter mm-hmm. so um big wake up call yeah. yeah yeah definitely and no I, I hadn't even thought i mean you mentioned just now 
um, experiencing the news of these tragedies like on smaller and smaller screens. Like I hadn't mm-hmm. even thought about the fact that we were watching all of the news for um, the death of Trayvon Martin, like on cable TV, you know, on CNN and mm-hmm. MSNBC. And, um, you know, that's, that's not even a part of the reality anymore either. Right. It's all, it's all through phones for yeah. the most part. Um, which I think it does, it does change it a little bit. I mean, you know, for one thing, uh, you know, we've seen like, at least in summer 2020, just like the whole thing around, you know, posting a photo of like an all black, like square, um, where there is like representations of support, but at the same time, it was, it definitely was different. Me like watching the news with our family all together, um, rather than just seeing it on my phone. You know, I don't know if, if that plays into it in any way too, but I think it does, it does change the dynamic of even how we're able to talk about it and grieve and, Mm -hmm. you know, mourn and, you know, all that whole process. I think a big part too that I really just thought of now is the whole argument of the respectability politics and how at that age, knowing that black children at our age were also being killed, it heightens this, I have to protect my myself by acting in a certain way, not ever getting angry, like not ever yep. feeling like, I was a threat in any way, shape, or or form that came for you sooner because you got taller. And I think I'm still dealing with that kind of thing now where certain emotions, especially in public, I wouldn't even think to raise Mm -hmm. and think to express out of fear of coming off as a threat. Yeah. Oh, no, absolutely. I mean, I think, like, you know, what you're describing is, you know, just being – narrowed emotionally and like the ways that we can show up i definitely feel like a lot of you know the last 10 years for me was performing um Mm -hmm. and being very performative so as to protect myself but i think a flip side of that too also out of the that that uh need to try and protect myself was also just like being a ghost sometimes and like trying to draw as little attention to myself as possible which of course is in conversation with our size um, cause it's like, how could I be like as big as I am and, you know, walk around thinking that I'm invisible, but that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's what I had to like convince myself of in a lot of cases mm-hmm. just cause I didn't feel safe. And honestly, I think, um, you know, I, I am getting more comfortable walking, uh, especially through the pandemic and just walking around Dayton, Ohio, as much as we did feeling a real sense of like belonging with the city. I love being able to walk around, especially now with Bo, um, but I will say that my anxiety for it definitely heightens when I'm in the car. I mean, every like, you know, SUV size or like car with the right combo of colors. Like mm-hmm. I'm thinking it's a cop, you know, like my heart rate is going crazy. Like I think, right. I think that for sure does even color my experience of driving. Yeah. 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 Uh- yeah. What do you think? What do you think about the, uh, the photo of Trayvon in at NASA? in his like little NASA suit. Yeah. Um, I don't think I saw that until years after. Yeah. And yeah, it's just, it's truly a tragic photo and just a hopeful photo 
for all the possibilities of every black child, but I I hate when black life just gets politicized so fast and feels like there's very little room for grief. It's like immediately a part of folks' agenda and mm-hmm. you know, I don't even want to talk about all the BLM stuff is, you know, on the left and and right, but at the end of the the day, you know, someone's life was taken and it's yeah, it's there's no amount of justice that that can bring that back so it's just it's haunting yeah Yeah. no absolutely i mean i i asked because that was the like seeing seeing conversation around that photo was the first time that i thought of respectability in this context as well Mm -hmm. because you know that was that's another thing too about whether it's cable or um on social media on our phones is like how our um, these black folks being represented in their death, right? And it's yeah. like the 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 most popular photo for Trayvon is him with his hoodie on, and it's like that can spark so much, you know, prejudice or whatever. Uh, but then at the same time, it's like the the NASA photo. I think for a lot of people came to represent, like, you know, trying to yeah wrap Trayvon in respectability, you know, in terms of like. Mm you know, being smart and ambitious and wanting to serve his country through NASA. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, yeah, so I, I think I was thinking when I asked about, you know, folks who have said like, hey, like however black folks show up in photography, whether they're, you know, grin their teeth or smiling or in a NASA suit or in a hoodie, like it shouldn't matter um, how much we like, do or do not like them or trust them just off of like the clothes they're wearing and how they're appearing in fo- in photos. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I, I would say that's another, that's another dynamic for me too, is, you know, always making sure that I'm smiling, you know, and I always do feel mm-hmm. a little weird um, when I'm not smiling or trying to look hard in photos, you know, and, Very true. you know, I think part of that too is definitely because uh, growing up, um, you know, folks would be like, hey, you know, your mother's going to see this photo. So make sure you're smiling for her so she knows you happy, you know, shout out to our mom. But I think I think as I've gotten older, that has also come into play as well, where it's like even when I'm taking photos, I'm thinking, how do I like represent myself in X, Y, Z way? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. How do you think your relationship to politics to social media all these things have changed in the last 10 10 years too and yeah. looking forward how does being a part of the Trayvon generation shape what you want to do mm. wow well I would say you know back to what I was saying before about you know the uh the the high of of witnessing Obama's election in 08 and then having like a very real crash um, down to reality with Trayvon Martin's murder. It was like, you know, I definitely became quickly disillusioned with politics, um, you know, around that 2012 timeframe. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I was, I mean, I was watching like, I was watching all the politics that I could 
uh, on TV, CNN, reading about it, trying to learn about like specific policies and who people were. I was very interested in government and politics, especially at the federal level. And seeing how Obama could be in office and, you know, have, you know, words to say here and there, but generally not be able to prevent all these atrocities mm-hmm. and just see how even him being in that position, he was, he himself was very narrow and limited and mm-hmm. how he was able to express himself and what he was actually able to do mm-hmm. for black folks and protecting us. Like, I, I think I was like, man, like, I don't see like how many answers are, are that route. You know, yeah. um, I, I definitely grew to distrust the government, especially because so much of it is tied up with the police and the military and, you know, increasing military spending, which then inevitably increases um, the increases the the police department. Yeah, the police department's budgets for, for weapons and how they think. Exactly. It's like, you know, the way that we treat folks domestically, uh, historically is always how we end up uh, treating um, people internationally and then vice versa, you know. So I, I think I definitely um, stopped placing my trust in like in the u.s government honestly and more into uh people that i knew um i would say that definitely the 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 history teachers that we had in high school at deerfield for sure informed that as well um bernie baker you know high z like they were all about having faith in the people even when you don't necessarily have faith in institutions you know and i think i think that that was very important um, kind of like education and just uh, surroundings for me to go through. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely at a point now where when you talk about what it means to be a part of the Trayvon generation, I think for me, it does mean um, learning, learning how to grieve and like mourn communally mm-hmm. um, and see how we can, you know, name the hurt recognize our losses um and honor them for for being irreplaceable and uh and you know yeah as you were saying before like they you can't just pay some money out to somebody and like have that replace the fact that you know their child isn't doesn't Mm -hmm. exist anymore or isn't alive Mm -hmm. uh physically um so i think right being able to name the hurt recognize our our losses and all that we grieve and yet um, not being solely defined by that, still making room for laughter and joy and uh, creativity is for sure how I see like a lot of my work moving forward, you know, um, just in being able to like hold all that loss and all those gifts at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think though? That's a really good question, Moss. Yeah, I think especially on the soul, social media side of things i feel like the context in which we learned about all of these murders trivialized them in a sense yeah when you're scrolling through twitter and you see a news item about a cop killing like another black person right right next to a joke right next to another piece of news right next to all kinds of political commentary about it it just feels like it's a very numb feeling that yep. you get over time Definitely. from ingesting the news, that series of news and this and 
this way. And I think for us in this generation, and I can speak for myself, but I can also speak to um, what I felt from friends and others is like, I think there is some return back and attention taken away from social media, like a return back to our homes and just to a context that we feel a little safer and more comfortable, more comfortable really talking, speaking, relating, grieving, doing anything that we need to be doing, healing. We've lived through already half of our lives with these um, quote-unquote tools, and I think we have felt the effects on our mental health, and it feels like the next step forward for us is to really organize in uh, in person in an even more real way. And so I'm really excited for for the impact that that will have. I think, yeah, growing up with such tragedy that has been broadcast casted into our lives in this way, I think will orient us positively going forward. Mm. So, but yeah, it definitely has made me more cynical. The police in general, you know, I still don't know where I stand on the argument. Obviously, it is intractably bad and horrible it just i am cynical about it ever being abolished unfortunately so i'm like man do i invest my time my energy into saying that and into protesting that or do i just like invest it into the things that i care about most and making like my home and my community is as strong as possible. Yeah. So it doesn't have to be an either or. Yeah. Yeah, I'm always black or white. Exactly. Thinking of black and white. That's all right. That's all right. Um, so I think you can do both. I think I am cynical about it for good reason. You see activists saying how spent they are in terms of their energy. Yeah. So in terms of energy and time, which are, renewable things but um over time that that really can wear on you yeah so yeah like even yeah Yeah. even in 2020 um my participation i i felt i just kind of stayed in and i did i did my own thing but i kind of just wanted to um unplug and that's fair you know we did we deserve rest and Yes, I'm privileged to say that, but also I don't feel every single battle I need to be fighting. Yeah. So, yeah. No, I mean, I I think, uh, you know, we have talked about this before around like the dynamics of, of, of privilege around like how and in what ways you can protect yourself. But I, I think, especially with us growing up, during the age of like social media and it just taking up an increasingly large part of our lives uh we we did get to the point as you know young early 20 something uh black folks to just choose to like cut it off and like distance as much as possible and i Mm -hmm. think like you know there there was uh a trajectory for social media that was traumatic in its own right like even without all of the terrible things that happen in the world you know just off of 
how they shape social interactions mm -hmm. and you know your 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 self-esteem and all of that and so definitely in 2020 i mean i was completely off the grid as well and there were definitely times that i felt guilty about it but then i was also like wait a second like i'm a black person you know so like yeah you know and like and like and i'm definitely not trying to talk to white folks let alone like make them feel guilty so mm -hmm. it was just kind of like this is time for me to check in with myself and the people closest to me and you know yeah that is a privilege and it is a blessing um but but i think we for sure were in in that space of really just trying to protect ourselves and that's actually something i i would say is interesting as well even from 2020 with you know the eight minutes 42 seconds of george floyd dying um even to now like the minute that i opened up instagram and started seeing everything about tyree nichols like yeah. it was it, most of it was like don't watch the video at all and that kind of language wasn't even i didn't even really see that when it when even for george floyd let alone um the eight years prior you know i think something about social media and the news seems to almost like impose on us that we should subject ourselves to watching these mm -hmm. these terribly violent things happen to our people um but for but for folks on the other side to be like nah actually don't watch it like like protect yourself like honor honor Tyree honor his family like honor us as a people like I think that that has been a very interesting um I guess boundary setting that 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 I've noticed a lot more too recently mm-hmm mm -hmm. so Elizabeth Alexander in the book also talks a little bit about what it means to be a free black man and what does freedom mean to to you? What what does it mean to be a free black man? Uh yeah, I don't know. I mean I think we're trying to figure that out for sure. I would say that uh I would say, you know, my, my default goes to Bell Hooks and Marlon Riggs and their whole debate on like what would liberate black folks, whether it was for Marlon Riggs, it was, you know, black men loving other black men. Um, for Bell Hooks, it was all black people, but particularly, specifically, especially black men, um, you know, healing their inner child. Mm -hmm. I think that is another situation where it doesn't need to be either or. In fact, I think you can only do one by doing the other. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I would say that freedom, you know, just off of those two, in a way, I would say that there is there is definitely freedom through, um, you know, healing our relationship with ourselves and whatever trauma that we've gone through in our lives, um, the trauma that we've subjected other people to as well. And then there's freedom through, um, you know, yeah, not holding back our love and appreciation for other folks, especially uh, black man to black man, you know, because as we've talked about, uh, a lot of us will go very long times without compliments mm -hmm. or ever like getting love. So yeah, I would say that I would say that freedom is definitely tied to love in a way. Um, I also think of faith and just the trust that it takes in yourself to like create art and also then trust in other folks to like share it and trust that, you know, you're not alone and that people are around who, 
can receive you and listen to you and like see you for who you are and like not mm -hmm. hate you or, you know, um, or reject you for it. And those are, those are all things that I'm very much still working through, but that's kind of like a preliminary answer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you think that you can be free when a police officer can, you know, harm us and like, you know, absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely not. Right. I mean, and that's kind of what I was, what, what I was saying before about, um, just my anxiety with driving or even yeah. like the long story that it takes to get comfortable walking. Like we literally, uh, we literally celebrate babies when they learn how to walk because it's so, it's so important. And even for folks who can't walk, like just generally being able to be outside and sit somewhere be outside and just breathe and be a person yeah. is something that we can't even like, we can't even really uh, take for granted, you know, because right. our lives are always like at risk from, from white folks who are either going to call the police or be the police and threaten our lives, you know, and that's, that's ridiculous. So, yeah. so definitely. Um, yeah, no, I mean, thanks, thanks for bringing that up because definitely freedom is um, environmental and social right like uh there's there's very limited amounts of like freedom that i can experience as a person or as an individual um especially when like it, that doesn't go for everybody else mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah i was thinking about this um a, a lot when she had brought it up in the book one of the craziest things I learned from this book is the story of Herman Wallace. I'm pretty sure is his name, but he was convicted of murdering a um, prison guard when he was in Angola prison in New Orleans. And that was back in like the seventies. And he was convic convicted because him and his friends had started like a black Panther party chapter in the prison. He was very politically active getting um, other inmates involved and conscious and he was convicted of this crime that he maintains that he didn't do definitely didn't do and they put this man in solitary confinement for 40 years ah uh, damn solitary confinement for 40 that it's like when i when i just like thought about that i was like what is freedom when that man was in solitary confinement while I was living, you know, mm -hmm. for most of my life. So crazy story too. This artist, Jackie Samuel, had learned, I'm pretty sure about his story and started to send letters back and forth. They had exchanged hundreds of letters back and forth. And she asked Herman, like what his dream house would look like. Yeah, I actually just I just had the question pulled up before I closed the book. Let me let me go back to it. Yes. And yeah. the first thing that he had said was he wanted like two gardens that uh were at the start of his his house. Wait, do you want to read it? Or? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so sure. um so this is this is the artist talking. She says, uh, I struggled to balance the futility of my assignment which reinforced the power dynamics of wealth, race, and privilege with the stark reality of Herman's condition. She wrote in an artist statement after, after this, this piece, but so she returned to Herman rather than a Stanford professor and asked the seemingly simple question, uh, 
what kind of house does a man who has lived in a six foot by nine foot box for almost 30 years dream of? Mm -hmm. Over the ensuing weeks and months, he imagined and described to her a house meticulously designed with a black panther on the bottom of the swimming pool, photographs of black heroes, a bar with martini glasses. It had a library with books about black liberation and an iconic 70s fur throw across the end of the bed. That's a tight spot, bro. It is. <laughs> yeah. Um, and even from the description that Herman was able to give, though, I cannot speak for, for him. May rest in, in peace. But it, it feels like somehow, some way, this man was not broken from all those years in prison. Dare I, dare I say, I feel like to even imagine that house with, with the clarity that he did where Jackie was able to render it totally. It, it feels like he was, he was free in a sense. Like, yeah. Even though they really tried to break this man's soul. That's, that's, you know, even what Huey Noon said when he was in the solitary too, for not as long as Herman was, but he's like, for some reason I found my freedom in prison. It wasn't, until you know they really tried to break my soul down that i realized that they couldn't and mm. he was free even though he was in prison right. he was free from his thoughts he could right. speed him up slow him down you know doing crazy huey stuff but like i mean you're right you take you take the story of malcolm x or even frederick Douglass too right um understanding that freedom is in the mind and of the soul uh, rather than even what I was describing in terms of like environmental, right. you know, right. So. And yeah, even for someone like Malcolm and and Martin too, I think I'm trying not to have this idea in my head where it's like you only are free if you're willing to like die for your ideas. Um, yeah, that's Huey revolutionary right, suicide. Right, right. but in a sense, it is it is fair because it's like you you don't care about the outcome of anything that you're saying or doing because you're content, you know, just passing the torch. Well, yeah. I mean, I mean, another angle of looking at it too, and this this definitely contributes to the cynicism and the yeah. um, you know, the the doubt. Is that, you know, you can you can talk about um, Malcolm, Martin, Huey for being willing to die for what they believe in, um, but then that's juxtaposed with Chayvon Martin, right? Who's still a mm. kid and like maybe he does know what he believes in, maybe he doesn't, and yet the fact that his life was taken regardless is like is also tragic, you know. So it's like, yeah, I, I think that's part of what's so like disturbing about mm -hmm. even the last decade of of killings that have been more publicly like shared because obviously this is always happening it's just you know the level and the scale of the technology and how information is shared um that can also just really kind of bring us in touch with how ridiculous thing like with how ridiculous and absurd this situation is right where you can just be an everyday person, yep. like trying to do, do your thing, trying to right. go home, you know, yeah. just just trying to go on a walk, see some birds, right? Trying to sleep. 
and 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 still have everything taken away from you and then and then have your have your family really have everything taken away from them too you know like that's crazy a freedom yeah it's kind of up to who the person is because you know my inclination is obviously like some return to what it was like to to be a child but not everyone's child childhood is um possibly idyllic as i felt mine mine was mm-hmm. and are running towards something instead and i don't know if there's ever just a euphoric feeling of i'm finally free or uh overwhelming sense of freedom i don't know if that's really possible i feel like it's achievable for everyone in the moment, but you have to remind yourself that you have it mm-hmm. and that it is possible. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, no, it's that, definitely. That's, that's I feel I feel like I'm better at saying what it's not than saying what it is. You know, it's like it's definitely not money. It's definitely not tied to money. Could have nothing and still be a free person, in my opinion. Um, I was actually starting to think of, you know activities and ways that we move our bodies right like i think there is a freedom in walking there's a freedom in dancing there's a freedom Mm -hmm. in cooking for me there's a freedom in swimming um but with all those things right like it's one thing to have that as an individual but it's not really the same feeling of like freedom and abundance like if other people don't have access to them too which is what we were saying before about how it's also like socially determined right i think that was Mm -hmm. such a huge lesson of of covid because i'm still i'm still uh what's the word like i'm still smug about it that i that i haven't like had covid yet right but like it doesn't matter because like literally the entire world is in a pandemic yeah. you know what i'm saying like yeah like that that's the that's the og uh jiddu krishnamurti quote like you know it is no sign of health to be to be well in a profoundly sick society you know like like my individual uh well-being and you know whatever i may do to like invest in self-care or whatnot like it's important to the extent that it ripples into my relationships but even that like you know you have to have some humility about it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah what are what are some you know because we I, I wasn't even expecting to like get this deep on it uh but i would love to hear like what are some books that are coming to mind for you for you know just Right, holding and I guess like processing and navigating all the challenges of like growing up, right, and mm. being a black person in America right now. Uh, the first one that comes to mind is Invisible Man Got the World Watching by Michael Dan wow. Joe Smith because yep. I think, and so Elizabeth Alexander says that it's anyone, you know who grew up in the last 25 years. And I think that's an important distinction too, because even though he's not in our generation, Michael um, Denzel. Yeah. He's like a millennial. Right. He still grew up during this, this, this time. Many of the BLM activists grew up during this time. And just Mm -hmm. that shift of the Obama win to the 2010s, I think radicalized, a lot of people Definitely. and yeah. that that book especially encapsulates uh many of our feelings yeah. um 
yeah towards that is not, true. not not just that that but is true politically and thinking in all of these all these ways uh so that's the first one that comes to to mind hmm what about for you well definitely um my grandmother's hands by oh Rosemary really Academy, yeah just because we were just talking about that mm-hmm. um i think when it comes to conversations around uh police brutality and trauma mm-hmm. and like what trauma means for the body and how that is passed down intergenerationally uh you can't you can't get much better than that book um you know we've talked about how his interview on on being podcast was like spookily good mm-hmm. um just off of like how he talks and the stories that he tells but i'd say he definitely brings very similar energy to that book um and you know he seems very uh well experienced with you know facilitation work and like re- working with big groups so you know there i was very honestly surprised at how much insight he had on um trauma through the white body as mm-hmm. well and like that's his whole thing like you know uh about like white body like power and white body trauma and everything like he has an entire section on you know what being a police officer does to your body and like how that is its own form of trauma that then recreates um and and distributes like other trauma into society um so yeah it was it's a really uh it's a really deep book and Mm -hmm. i did appreciate all that all the that through all of it, he is at the end emphasizing that healing does start with our bodies, right? And like paying attention to how mm-hmm. we treat our bodies, how we actually feel. Mm-hmm. Um, I think so much of social media, because it's about our eyes and what we see, and you know, obviously our thumbs scrolling, like it's dissociated from so much of our body and like how we actually feel, you know? And just getting in touch with that is really important for being able to communicate that and therefore show up for other people. Mm. Um, I would say 1919 as well has been, uh, a, a really important way of like processing all of this just because, um, you know, I, I didn't go into the book thinking like with this intention, but, um, the book is about the, you know, the 1919 Chicago riots during the red summer, right. Which was kind of catalyzed by Eugene Williams, um, dying out on the lake when he like crossed over into the white side of the water, which is crazy, but it started a, a terrible, uh, terribly violent riot in Chicago and Eve Ewing going back in time through poetry as well as traveling forward in time, uh, to be there to like sit with the, the grief and the pain. Um, but also find those moments of like joy and healing was just, it, it's an incredible book. I mean, like that's one that I, I want to keep rereading indefinitely uh, just because I think it is such a complete feeling of what we're talking about while also being in conversation with, with, with a hundred years ago. Right. And, and the fact that things like this have been happening for a long time, Eugene Williams was also like 17, 18, 19 years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when you think back, to 1919 and all that black people were feeling during that time. What is the feeling for you? Is it comfort, gratitude, uh, honor? I feel very 
I, I'm about to start answering my own question. Go, yeah. go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Don't no, no. <laughs> I, I was, I was gonna say that I feel humbled and um, completely grateful, and I think with so social media inevitably comes comparison and every everything, and I always kind of compare our goals to our ancestors and wonder, you know what we will make of, of ours too, or if there is truly anything to be made of, of ours in the same way. We have been dealing with many things over long periods of uh, time, but just to muster like the, the might necessary to tackle the challenges of our time, like I don't even feel ready, you know, so. Oh, for sure. But. Yeah, I mean, does anyone does anyone ever? Yeah, you know, right. You know, or like, when do you know? Um, yeah, well, th- definitely. Yeah, what I was first gonna say was uh, connected, and uh, for sure humble about it. Um, also inspired, as well as curious. Um, you know, one thing that. I'm starting to think about now in terms of even notions of freedom as well as uh, in conversation with notions of time, right? Which is that when so much of linear time is seen as about progress, I, I would say that 1919 and what we're talking about, uh, especially with Know Your Roots and you know even reading Langston Hughes and all the other older authors and artists that we're starting to learn more about is that time is also cyclical, right? And like, what does that mean for, for things? I I mean, growing up for sure, the only sense of cyclical time that I knew of was usually had some negative connotation to it, right? The cycle of property or like a vicious cycle. And that is definitely at play when we're talking about just comparing 1919 to now, right? I mean, of course, there's a lot that's changed and there, there's so much, yeah, there, there's just so much that's different. And yet, you know, when we focus in on that moment, like the 1919 riots in Chicago started because a young black man was, was killed um, by white folks out on the lake. And we're still, we're still in that cycle now of, of, right, just these extrajudicial, like tragic killings of of black folks at the hands of white people that are just like inexcusable and unexplainable and um can't be justified in any sense you know Mm -hmm. so i think it is interesting seeing like what freedom looks like um in the cyclical sense but i think that does also get back to the importance of right being in tune with our bodies and seeing all the ways that we can feel a little taste of freedom just off of you know dancing and uh, and cooking and laughing and you know all those things that make us feel good so yeah i i mean what else connecting back to to folks from a hundred years ago man I, I would say uh there's a lot of surprise definitely um you know reading through langston hughes or Lucille clifton most recently uh i'm constantly feeling surprised at just how much i do feel all those other things that I mentioned. Um, 
because yeah, I, I would say that just generally with how we were educated, how we are surrounded by social media and you know all these different forms of entertainment, like you would think that we're just completely isolated in our own time and space, but then you know you read something, surprise, you're actually not so special as you think you are, just in terms of like, but in the best way, right? Because you're yeah. connected to these people who who aren't here anymore in the flesh, but are still here through their words. And and I think that even goes for um, for folks that never wrote anything down, right? I mean, uh, our grandparents were coming up in the 40s, in the 50s, in the 60s, and we weren't even conceived, like we weren't even thought of, let alone our parents, and yet we're connected to that time through them. So I, mm -hmm. I find that to be a really special thing to think about. Mm-hmm. So surprise and connectiveness, that is that is a great spirit and energy, I think, just to celebrate this month in and yeah, definitely. Like, I think Black History Month is it is what it is. It's a great time to celebrate the history. We gotta do it all year round though. Yeah. But you know, special highlight during this month and it's just so great to honor Trayvon Martin and you know all the tragic lives lost you know i felt especially connected to to him for uh years now and just beginning to express all of the um personal impact and and change that he's had on our our lives unfortunately so um but yes any any other things you want to Sure. Nah, I mean, you know, if uh, if you made it this far with us, thank you for listening. Mm -hmm. um, we want you to know that we're always ready to continue any conversation that we have, but especially this one, mm -hmm. given what we've been talking about, the importance of, you know, really showing up for each other um, in community and conversation in person. If you're in Chicago, hit us up, you know, but yeah, just generally being able to to have these conversations more often um, and know that we're not alone in feeling that way. Um, I, I mean, I would say that, you know, with, with as much as we do talk about uh, even this conversation was like special for us, even talking about it in that same mm -hmm. way and seeing more of our own uh, perspectives, even though we've literally been, you know, brothers the entire time. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I would say that this, this for sure was a, uh, a very special episode for for me and for listeners uh we'd love to hear what you think um you can you know dm us on ig <laughs> you can comment on youtube video mm -hmm. however you want to communicate we'd really appreciate it yeah they thank you again i'm gonna look to the camera oh yeah what's up thank you <laughs> and we will catch you in the next episode